There is a new JK collection release for Breeders' Cup 2022. It's the Winchell Epicenter Gold Label. Ron Winchell, those iconic silks had such an impact on the game for starters at this year's Breeders' Cup. You can get the special Gold Label shirt if you're an Epicenter NFT owner. You got the special access over at OpenStable.io. Buy the shirt with a digital collectible, and you'll also receive an autographed Epicenter Platinum card signed by the wildly successful Ron Winchell himself. The Gold Label shirt is only available at OpenStable.io and while supplies last. If you're an Epicenter fan or a fan of any of the Winchell starters and just want to wear the shirt for Breeders' Cup without the Gold Label, you can still do it if you act fast. Go to Old Smoke over at OldSmokeClothing.com. Welcome to two of the most popular shows we're going to do all year long. The Breeders' Cup Monster Pods all-star guests to talk about the racing Friday and Saturday at the Breeders' Cup. If you know about the Monster Pods, you know the drill. One guest per race, JK here. He's going to be helping me out. If you prefer to watch these as videos, they're over on the YouTube channel. Hopefully we'll get some good conversation going there. We encourage you to rate, review, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Another way you can help us out is by signing up for our newsletter in the moneypodcast.com slash email. Best way to keep across all the great content we've got. And the vast majority of it is free content over at InTheMoneyPodcast.com. But really looking forward to this talented array of guests. Let's get to them right after this. Breeders' Cup may be next weekend, but this weekend it's the Breeders' Crown. We're in the championship stretch of the Woodbine Standard Bread season. And Woodbine Mohawk is proud to host the 22 22- 2022 edition of the Breeders' Crown presented by Libfeld and Katz. Two more huge uh, racing nights ahead of us on October 28th and uh, 29th. Great stuff happening. $100,000 guarantee in the early pick five. In addition to the segment you'll hear on this show, a deep dive from Edison on the team over on the round play or round table. Check that out on our archives, wherever you get your podcast or over on our YouTube channel. Stay tuned to these airwaves to get all your Breeders' Crown information. Next up on the show, a segment I'm very excited about and a first time happening for uh, the In The Money Media Network, even though this is a guest who's been on our airwaves before. This is the first time they're joining us and we can say we have a Jeopardy! second chance finalist on hand, creating quite a stir in the Twitterverse and elsewhere last night with their performance, which, you know, captured... The imagination of a nation, or at least horse facing Twitter, or somewhere in between. Really proud to welcome back the In the Money Airwaves, Rowan Ward. Rowan, what's up? Hello, how are you? I'm good. Have your feet touched back to the ground? Or are you still floating from? Uh, oh, I'm. I'm still floating. I've been kind of floating and not able to tell anyone since that aired and, or sorry, since that taped in like September, but. <laughs> Now everyone got to see, and it's like, yay! (laughs) (laughs) Well, seriously, congratulations. That's awesome. And folks around here know, you know, no stranger, not just to being a a contestant on on competitions of this nature, also a fantastic host. One of these days, maybe this holiday season, we get you back for another Christmas quiz. quiz, That would be awesome. I had so much fun with that last year. Unless you're too big time for us now. I don't want to make any assumptions. No, 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 no. I mean, I'm here now, aren't I? 
<laughs> we, can, we can still talk to you, but maybe it's best we don't look you directly in the eye. Maybe, maybe that. Nah, we're no, you, you can look me in the eye. Like my eyes are the same as they always were. <laughs> <laughs> we're here to talk about another kind of competition, and this is a race you've been with us for. I think maybe the last two years running to discuss at the Breeders' Cup. Can you imagine if they ran the Breeders' Cup and then you didn't get to know the results for three months? What fun would that be? But Oh, that that would be really weird. And I mean, at least with the second chance, it was only embargoed for a little over a month. Last year when I was on Jeopardy, it was three and a half months. And <laughs> that bit to have to sit on for so long. <laughs> Let's talk about this juvenile turf sprint, my friend. There's so many interesting storylines in here. I'll just, I'll let you pick your own topic. Where shall we begin? Uh, I mean, there are a lot of interesting storylines here. There's not a whole long history with the race, but, you know, looking at the four editions that they've already had, American Speed has been your friend all four times. And the last three years, it's been Wesley Ward. What's interesting with Wesley Ward is that as far as class is concerned, Love Reigns fits that mold, but am I sold on Love Reigns making the top? Not necessarily, especially if some of these, you know, top of the list also's draw in. So that's going to make things interesting. I mean, obviously Love Reigns fits and I won't, be surprised if she goes off the favorite especially because well wesley ward this is the juvenile turf sprint wesley ward has won three out of four times another interesting story where certainly figures not sure i'm sold especially at the likely short price is one of the internationals the platinum queen I'm sure the Platinum Queen is going to get bet because how often do you have a horse coming into the juvenile turf sprint who's won a win and you're in for the grown-up turf sprint? <laughs> An <laughs> Just, infrequent occurrence, to say the least. No, an infrequent occurrence. And I mean, obviously, she has the class. Like, she won the Prix de la Bay against the older. She ran second behind... Um, Oh goodness, what's her name? Highfield Princess. Highfield Princess, yes. Highfield, yep. yeah, Highfield Princess. Um, earlier in the year, and you know that that's an ambitious campaign, and so she's obviously very good. But again, how many times has an international won the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint? Never. How many? Well, not on the juvenile side. On the in the. Oh, sorry, right. you're right. Well, the that's that's what I'm talking one. about. The yep. juvenile side. Obviously, we've had, you know, glass slippers in the big boys or big girls, if you will. <laughs> but how many times has an international hit the board in the juvenile turf sprint? Three. There have been a few. And, you know, they've all been they've all been double digit prices. You know, you had so perfect the chalk at 10 to one. You better believe it was third at 26 to one. Go Bears Go was second at 12 to one last year. So it's like. Those internationals can hit the board, but then again, you know, I'm not sure we've had an international quite like the Platinum Queen. But again, she's Euro. She's not American speed, which tends to hold. So, you know, my first question when I'm handicapping this race is, where are you going to find the good old-fashioned American speed? And that's not super clear. I mean, Tyler's tribe... All he does is go to the lead. So you know darn well that he's going to try. Turf is obviously a question. He's trained on it, but, you know, the sharp Aztecas have been taking well to the turf. 
not as much turf on the bottom side. So that's still, I think, kind of a question for me. But Tyler's Tribe is at least going to go. You have Speedboat Beach, who's stretching out to five and a half, who did lead in the maiden win over the dirt. And, you know, fast California speed, that's a thing. Shortened up to a flat five for the prep, for the speakeasy. Stretch back out to five and a half. He might be the lead. What I think is going to be really interesting is I'm not going to have any real like final, this is a horse I'm super keen on until we see the final field. Because the horse who I really think is going to be just fits my profile of a Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Sprint horse in the sense of just goes to the lead is proven that that sort of trip on turf. I mean, every Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Sprint winner has won at either five and a half or five on the turf. Even the it, like there's one winner who prepped going six and then cut back, but had won at five and a half earlier. So you want one of those, someone who's at least won at one of those conventional turf sprint trips. I want to wait and see if Sharp as Attack draws in. Mm-hmm. Because I think if Sharp as Attack draws in, that's your, you know, wave your little flag, your good old-fashioned American speed. <laughs> and stuck and, on pretty well at that that testing Kentucky down. And, Seems like he's suited by the cutback here, though. That's exactly it. He's going to be suited the cutback. There are people who may shy away a little bit because he lost last out, but it's Kentucky Downs. Kentucky right. Downs form holds at, wait for it, Kentucky <laughs> Downs. <laughs> One of the great horse for course tracks and a six and a half that can honestly play, in my experience, almost more like a mile. So I yes. think be forgiving of that. And the fl- especially if the ground is firm, which long range forecasts suggest could be the case, actually. It That'd feels awesome. like this is an interesting idea. And it's okay. We'll allow the fence sitting here, especially not only because it's probably the toughest race to do without knowing exactly who's going to be in it, but also because we'll have an opportunity. We'll, we'll come back to you in one format or another next week and allow you to give uh, something more along the lines of a final answer in this. Spot. I would love to, I would love to do that next week. Once we have, once we have a set field, once we have post draws, because that's that's going to be tactical and that's going to be crucial and it really is hard to draw up tactics especially in a juvenile race when i'm looking at some of these and it's like okay i know your class right now but especially some of these euros it's like they lead one race and they're mid-pack one race and they close one race and it's like on the euros i kind of throw out the lead just because european speed doesn't tend to out jump american speed to the top i mean we're, uh, we're, we're a bit of a pedal to the metal bunch here in the US of A. <laughs> and in this race, that matters. <laughs> no doubt about it. We just have about a minute left, Rowan. If you had any others you wanted to mention for the short list from this far out, but the, failing that, we can, we'll come and bother you next week. We're, we, got, we got a few different ways we can pull people back in to, to get the, something more aligned to the, the final answers for this. The one other one that I just want to mention is... You know, you've always got to mention the horse who won the local prep, and that's um, the Indian Summer, and that is Private Creed, who drew into the main field for Steve Asmussen. And Private Creed is one of those horses who, good form, has won three out of four times and wasn't bad the one time that he was defeated by Oxymore in the Skidmore. My question with Private Creed is, 
the is the running style. Like I think he's going to be facing something a little tougher on the front end and just that's not what's necessarily won these juvenile turf sprints. Is there a is there a price at which I would bet private creed? I'd consider it because local winner and you know maybe there's not like someone quite as imperious on the speed as in previous years, especially if sharp as attack doesn't draw in. But especially as the local prep winner, I'm not sure I'm going to be able to get that price. And we'll see next week when the field is drawn. So that's kind of my my pre-interesting horses, the way I generally like to look at the race. And we'll see what happens next week. And I got my fingers crossed that Travis Attack is going to draw in. (laughs) We appreciate your thoughts. We appreciate your ideas. We appreciate you. We'll be watching your television exploits with with fun and and we know those charts they're not going to call themselves so we'll, we'll let you get they're not going to call themselves <laughs> we'll let you get back to work and we'll be talking soon really appreciate your time today thank you so much hi maggie how are you hi jk uh greetings from aqueduct or back as we call it these days <laughs> <laughs> i can see i can see that that's a noticeable background that reminds me a little bit of, uh, of watching the show so Recognize- looks like you're about yeah, it looks like you're about to be on the desk, a little desk I action am. for you. <laughs> I am. Well, I, I wanted to talk a little bit about uh, the juvenile fillies, and, and I wanted to talk to you specifically because obviously the two-year-olds are, uh, are, are something that are very near and dear to you. You're on for every two-year-old race at Saratoga, so you've seen all of these horses, and one of them specifically who's likely to be the morning line favorite is Chocolate Gelato, who we expected a lot from on debut. She didn't run particularly well. Then she came back. She freaked. Then she came back and won the Frisette. My concern is her figures are a little bit slow. Help me out from a physical standpoint. Do you like or dislike Chocolate Gelato's chances? Well, not only do I like her from a physical standpoint, getting the two turns there at Keeneland, JK, I also like her demeanor. You want a horse that's trying a distance for the first time that's longer than what they've raced before to be laid back to kind of take everything in stride. And that is exactly what she is. I mean, thinking about the open to our show, she's in there with Joya Rapoli kissing her nose because she's just that laid back of a horse. That's how she was acting in the winner's circle. And Yeah, pedigree might not speak to the fact that she's truly that type of distance horse. Being by practical joke seems as though his progeny are a little bit better shorter. But as an individual, I don't think there's anything holding her back. Yeah, maybe she got a little bit late going back to that frisette. As we saw the New York bred, You're My Girl, who will also participate in the juvenile Phillies, whom I like as an outsider's chance, kind of come back on her a bit. But I almost feel as though it may have been a product of the racetrack. It was really sloppy that day. And two, maybe just a focus thing. You know, when she's engaged, maybe she gets a little pushed along a little bit more. And a couple of other ones that you were able to see uh, up at Saratoga, but then they've also come back and run extremely well, or at least one of them has come back. You got to see was was Wonder Wheel. Uh, what did you think about the Alcibiades with Wonder Wheel and Chop Chop? Well, it felt as though the race, for the most part, the pace pretty much held together, um, which Wonder Wheel, she had advantageous inside post. She got to, you know, kind of gallop along uh, along the inside there and, and set her own fractions. I don't have anything against her looking at her physically. She's beautiful. She's really well balanced and just has a lovely physical to her. But I thought Chop Chop of those horses ran the best race. She was the one 
far off of it. She was the one wide. She was putting in really good late strides. She kind of encountered a little bit of that traffic trouble when Raging Sea decided to kind of take a brief right turn there down the lane. And I, I just thought as though, even though both of her wins have come on the turf, She's bred to go either way, and her fastest number came there at Keeneland, and it feels as though there are a lot of horses that can go that could be forward in here. That could set things up nicely for her, for Brad Cox, who, let's face it, in his somewhat, relatively speaking, brief career, knows how to win Breeders' Cup races. So we've got two big races, obviously, leading into this race, the Alcibiades and the Frisette. There's one more horse I wanted to talk about out of the Frisette. Another horse you were able to see a bunch uh, so far is leave no trace. Do we want to forgive her for her last performance because of the racetrack? Do you expect to kind of see more of a spinaway performance out of her? Or do you think that the Frisette was an actual uh, indicator of how good she actually is? Right. It, it feels as though numbers wise, she's just, she's kind of in a straight line. There's been no upward. There's been no you know regression. It's just kind of, maybe that is what she is and she's going to have to run faster uh, to be competitive and to be, you know, in the top three for the juvenile Phillies. She, I, I want to forgive her. I really thought that she looked like a filly that would love more ground. And I've always thought that about her. But the fact that she hasn't necessarily taken a big step forward leaves me to, to have my reservations about her. So, and the last one that I wanted to touch on was, was Raging Sea, another one that you were able to see up at Saratoga. What were your first impressions of her? And do you think that she'll uh, run as well as she did in the Alcibiades last time? Right. She lost. For whatever reason, she spooked down the lane. I don't know why. Chalk it up to inexperience. I'm not sure. But she is one that I think actually moves forward from the Alcibiades. It was only her second start. She was on top of the pace, chasing the whole way. She stayed on. She won a determined effort in her debut. She took that step forward in her subsequent start. Why can't she take another step forward? And she gave me that impression physically that she was this big frame of a filly by Curlin and that there was some furnishing to do. And she could be doing that in front of our eyes. She, to me, while I respect chocolate gelato, feels like the likeliest upset to her. So the last question I'll get you with here is, so of all the horses we've discussed uh, that you were able to kind of put your eyes on in the flesh, which one's from a physical standpoint kind of <laughs> excites you the most? Maybe they haven't done everything you'd wanted them to do on the racetrack, or maybe they have, but which one kind of gives you that they could take another step forward if they can kind of live up to how they look from a physical standpoint? Oh, that would definitely be Raging Sea. I, I think just, you know, the distance equation, when you factored that into it, she is the one that I think should relish the extra ground. I take nothing away from Wonder Real. Like I said, she is in an exquisite physical. Same thing with Chocolate Gelato, but I just feel that Raging Sea has the most upside. Well, Maggie, I'm glad we got you. It wouldn't have been, uh, it wouldn't have been right to not have you on these airwaves talking about a two-year-old race. Have a great show. Subscribe, comment, all that good stuff. We'll see you guys. Our next race on the Friday card we're going to be talking about is the Juvenile Phillies Turf. Just a reminder, folks looking for a lot more information about the Breeders' Cup can go over to InTheMoneyPodcast.com and InTheMoneyPodcast.com slash plus. But there's also going to be a ton on our YouTube channel and, of course, as part of the Monster Pod themselves. And in this Monster Pod segment, we bring in a guest who's been on our airwaves before but never on one of these shows very happy to welcome back a researcher from Sky Sports Racing and my colleague, Callum Hellowell. Callum, how are things? I'm all good, Peter. How are you? Very fun to see you in the form of video. This is wonderful. It's almost like you're in the room with me. 
<laughs> well, we're trying to get you. One of these years, we're going to get you out to the Breeders' Cup. I know it's a meeting you follow closely, but not one you've had the chance to to attend in, in, in person quite yet. Am I remembering that right? Yes, that's, that's absolutely correct. He gave me hope, and that's the worst thing you can give me. As a Washington Commanders fan, I'm all about hope, and I know all about having my dreams smashed. And you've come in, you've given me hope, you sent me a few very positive WhatsApp messages. I even told my mom, I'm like, this is it, mom. We've made it. And then still, still, let me down at the last minute. But it's okay. I'm going over. I'm going over to see a very, very good friend who hopefully one day will become my girlfriend. But we're getting there. I'm going over to see her. She's, she's in That's a whole other I'm video. Gonna, you know. That's a whole other story. But she, she's in Oregon. And I'm going to go over to see her. I'm going over there for, for nine days. I'm very excited to get out there. So I will be coming overseas. Just unfortunately, good. not for the Breeders' Cup. We'll get you here eventually. It took us a few shots with uh, Vanessa before we made the magic happen. It's just, it's just one of those things. But we're here, as much as I would like to see the reality show of your, of your trip to uh, the Pacific Northwest, we're here to talk about this juvenile Phillies turf. Really interesting clash, I think, uh, where you can talk about horses from both sides of the pond. Where, who do you think the right horse to begin with is in here? First, first thing I've got to say is, in our Blue Rose sends out the race, uh, blew everything up. Uh, that was my absolute steal. I, I, I think she she was right at the top of the market at a really, really short price because she deserved to be there. She's mightily impressive on Arc Day when she won. But I am going to say that the horse I really, really, really like is a horse called Delight. Uh, I'm going to take on Meditate, our, our Irish raider from the Aidan O'Brien yard. And I'm going to go for Delight. I have concerns, but I've got concerns about quite a few of them. I was very, very impressed with her demolition job last time out. And for me, if you if you told me straight away, without going into much detail, who do I like the most now, especially at the prices, delight to me would be that choice. It was the visual impression she made, and, and what are the concerns that, that you have about her? Visual impression, burst away from the field, hit the line hard. You like that. Concern, head carriage. I was really concerned about how high in the air that head was. She doesn't look like a real trier. There's plenty of these in this field who look like real tough cookies. And you know, with this race last year, I think the first eight was over two and a half lengths. It was an absolute bunch finish. I want a horse that's going to try. But I think if she can spin off that turn at Keeneland and get first run on these rivals, she might be hard to catch because foot speed, I think she's got the highest amount of foot speed there. And I think she's quick. And I hope... I hope that she gets away from them and it doesn't turn into a battle because I don't want to be behind her if she's, if she's in a battle. She doesn't look the toughest. What do you make of Meditate? This is a horse that I'm already on record saying, uh, I thought I think the price is too big in some places. There mm. was some seven to one around with Blue Rose sent out. That's been cut, but there's still some 11 to two around. I think yeah. despite Aiden O'Brien's poor record in the race, she's got the form, she's got the figures. I, I'm pretty interested in her. What gives you pause there? She, she's 9-2 now in most places, so she's getting backed in. People are beginning to fall in. But you've mentioned the poor record for Aidan O'Brien. I would second that with, I don't think she gets a mile. If, if you look at her form, um, she, her Ascot race is over six. Uh, Ascot is a very stiff six furlong, so you can tell that they're going to step up and trip. She then went for, if I can remember what the race was called off the top of my head, uh, she went to the debutant stakes over seven furlongs. And debutant is a really nice race. It's got lovely history. Very nice for especially little pedigree heads like myself. She's a, it's an exciting race for us racing fans. But she won that. But she was bobbing up and down on the one spot coming for home. She won by three quarters of a length, I think it was, 
but she didn't give the impression that she was being eased down. <laughs> it gave the impression of this is as far as she goes. She's dropped back to six last time at Newmarket. Newmarket, of course, you come out that dip, you've got a power out the hill. She didn't show the power. She didn't show that power coming out the dip. For me, my biggest concern about her is the trip. I think she's the classiest filly in the race. She's got the experience that you can't ask for more experience. But, yeah, that trip is a concern. And she's been on the go since April. You see, she's had a lot of starts, this girl. She's only two. And you've got to be concerned for these two-year-olds. I mentioned the same thing with Persian Force in one of the earlier races in the sprint. I think these horses have been really highly tried. I would prefer something with a little less miles on the clock as a two-year-old in these Breeders' Cup races. One on my list to ask you about is her stablemate, Never Ending Story. You mentioned your affection for Blue Rose Sen, who will not be competing. Never Ending Story has that form line to her in the Boussac. I didn't think she had the smoothest of runs either of the last couple of goes. Again, Aiden O'Brien, not a great record in the race, but this was one I at least wanted to ask you your, your opinion of. I, I certainly think uh, the mile isn't a question for her. The mile isn't a question for her. You mentioned the traffic problems at Longsham. I don't think that's enough of an excuse. She was absolutely slapped by Blue Rose Sen. Um, I think if Blue Rose Sen's in this field, she's an even she's an even bigger price, obviously. But she she's only in the, there's form lines, and then she was in the same race. Like I could run in the same race as Usain Bolt, but if I'm nowhere near him, it doesn't mean that me and Usain are in the same level of class. She was running against Blue Rose Sen. She just happened to be in the same race. She was. Well and truly outclassed. Um, she's bumped into some very nice mess all the way through her career. She's been unlucky in that sort of sense where she's kept bumping into really nice quality types. But I don't... She could do an order of Australia and completely fool everyone and come from the clouds and, and do some damage. But for me, I would be steering well away from her. I think if she wasn't trained by Aidan O'Brien and she wasn't in those colours, we wouldn't be talking about her as having a single shot, shot in the different. I'd be interested if she actually would have been selected by the panel if she was from different connection, because in reality, that form, yeah, she'd been, she'd bumped into some good ones and hasn't shown herself to be good enough. While we're talking O'Brien's, one of the Joseph O'Brien runner, I think this is one that'll be pronounced differently on each side of the pond. We'd say Basil Martini. I imagine Basil Martini will get it's, it's a Basil you. Martini. Come on now, Peter. It's a Basil Martini. It's, it's, it's not a Basil Martini. It's not Basil. <laughs> it's Basil. It's aluminium while you're at it. And it's a pavement, <laughs> not a sidewalk. I don't know why. Why we need to. What's the deal with horseback riding as well? We always ride them on their backs. There's nowhere else to ride them. <laughs> Give me your but thoughts on this intriguing run. Potentially intriguing run. £160,000 from Goff, yeah, £160,000 from Goff UK. We love this type of race. If you look down the pedigree of these, you're not seeing extremely expensive purchases. But these have been bought for a job and they've done it at a budget price. And I think if I'd love to see more American buyers come over to our UK sales and really get stuck in because there's so much value to be found. It's not just tax book one. It's not just tax book two. You've got golf, you've got sportsmen, you've got silver sales. There's plenty of options to get in at right at the bottom level, but also then have a horse that can take to a Breeders' Cup, which is the dream that everyone in the US wants, especially and also in the UK now. Um, Tough as nails is uh, Basil Martini. Uh, in her last start in the Well Park Stakes, she turns for home in front and she leaves the whole field to shoot her. She's pinned on the far side rail and she battles. Head goes down, does it all from the front and actually as she gets away from the line, she shrugs them off again. So they've got close. 
they're finishing in a heat. You've got horses coming over the top. But she found again, and it just launched herself a little bit further. And it actually won quite cozily. I think she had a little bit left in reserve. So of those horses, if she can get the head of the field, and she needs to show supreme speed to do that in, in the US because they're going to go like the clappers over those first couple of furlongs. But if she can get to the head and she then comes off that turn and has a rail to help, stick in the right hand, rail to the left, she could be really, really tough to pass because she's the type, you know what I mentioned with um, Delight, where the head carriage is a concern. I don't think she's a real battler. Complete opposite to Basil Martini, who is tough, tough as nails. We've got a couple of minutes left, Callum. I'll let you guide the train. Maybe we can speed round through a few of these others that you want to talk about. All right. Firstly, speed round. Comanche country, as I want to call it. Uh, £7,500 already in love. Highland Real, give it to me. One of the best value sides. Standing at ten grand at Coolmore. He won at two, he won at three, he won at four. He's been overseas. Send your mares to him. But the thing that really, really liked me is that in the Surfer Girl state, she hit the line like a train. It was only a grade three. She steps up in class. But all the horses that are going to get that trip and are going to relish that one-mile trip, if she's still involved, if she's got the class to keep up with these early, and she can rattling home late, I'm all over. Um, Pleasant Passage. I really don't want to know anything because she's tough, but we've not seen her do anything. We've seen her have two starts. And it's concerning that she's not got the experience. But my goodness, last start out, again, tough. But if I look at something that's a bit more classy from the UK, which I'm amazed, Peter, you've not mentioned, is Midnight Mile. Because every preview I've looked at online, they talk about this thing like it's the second coming of Jesus. Now, we need to be very careful. She, she may not be quite that level. But how many horses start their career at 14 to 1 in a Doncaster novice contest? She did. She bolted up on that day over six furlongs. They step her up in trip. They send it to Newmarket for the oh-so-sharp stakes. Good race, named after a great horse. She comes from last to first. We talk about hitting the dip. Meditate didn't hit that dip. Now, your courses in America are all flat. It makes it very simple. You don't need to worry about undulations. Our premier flat course, Newmarket, is like a roller coaster. These two-year-olds are going up and down and up and down. She comes out that final dip and she's gone. Absolutely gone. She will get the mile, no problem. She has lack of experience. You'd be concerned about the traveling. She's never, a lot of these have got, a lot of our like top class ones have traveled back and forth over the Irish border. These two, she hasn't. And that would be my major concern is that a horse like Midnight Mile could get caught up in the occasion. Um, other one, who's my other one I was looking at? Yes, last call. Now, last call won the Natalma, which is the traditional trial for this race. I mean, last year's winner, Pizza Bianca, she won it. You've got the top three coming to this again. She had to come four wide on that turn and got first run. She gets that first run. She wins, but she stays straight. It rivals in behind, I think. It's one of the one of the other rivals in this race. I think it's Cairo, uh, Cairo Consort. She wobbled under pressure. This, this filly did it straight as a gun barrel coming out there so hopefully with that you you know like with these like some of these bigger price horses these 10 to 1 or higher you actually know you're going to get a decent run for your money because they may not have run at that class but they've shown the attitude and that willingness to win and for me that's a big thing on form i like to see a horse that puts his head down and knows what they're doing and these two-year-old fillies are going to just do that so wide open race no blue rose then which is really sad but it just makes it even more fascinating to watch. And I, I'm so glad to see a real good American challenge in this. Because one of the few races you guys have really, you've locked into. And it could be it could be anyone's race. But 
yeah, for me, delight as long as she's not in a battle. Oh, please pray she's not in a battle. <laughs> <laughs> the hands she's in, I think she could show some improved toughness. I just wonder, this is a very strong European contingent as usual. And uh, I'm glad we got to talk it through with you. It seems like of the, the, the foreign contingent, is Midnight Mile the one that you, you put at the top of the list? Midnight Mile of the of the Raiders coming over. I know we're not allowed to use the word Raiders now, are we? We've got to say the the the, the traveling party coming over. Of the traveling party coming over, she'd be my number one. I was really impressed with that win at Newmarket. And we just don't know her ceiling. She's got a very high floor and we don't know how high her ceiling goes. But we know that base level of form is group three. I mean, come on, that's exciting. Two starts under her belt. She's never she's battled in every single one of them, but hopefully. You know, this is this is this is ideal for her. So I'm look I'm looking forward to see her go over and, and really put a good account of herself out there. Callum, we'll be bothering you to maybe help out with some of the, the social videos we're gonna do. We're gonna do some YouTube shorts with picks for all the different races, best bets from all folks who've appeared on the show through the year. Would love to have you back from that. We'll reach out to you off air, give that concept a little bit of a tease. But really appreciate your help and and we'll see you at the Breeders' Cup, just not this year. We'll see, I'll see you at Breeders' Cup sometime. Sometime, Peter, again, this false hope we talk about. It's, it's all, I'm just, I'm living on your every word. I don't even believe these YouTube shorts are going to happen. There, I said it. I don't believe they're going to happen. Another, we'll another one of Peter's falsehoods. But no, I'm looking forward to it. You know, I've, I've got you back all day. I'm looking forward to it. I can't wait for the next, for those two days. Friday, Future Star Friday. What a great, what a great marketing ploy as well. Like, get way to get you excited about it before the big day. So I'm looking forward to Future Star Friday and then, Oh, I'm looking forward to the big one on Saturday. Bring on flight, flight line. Just, just enjoy it. Just absolutely enjoy him because they don't, they don't come around that often. And I'm very excited to see how far he wins by. That's the way I see it too. It's great betting. It's great sport. It's the Breeders' Cup. Callum Hellowell, thanks so much. Thanks, Peter. Your star. Cheers. J Square, Jack Jenkins. What's going on? What's up, JK? How you doing? I miss you, buddy. I haven't seen you in a long time. Oh, Travers. Yeah, that's that's a long time. It's, it's, it's too that long. That was that was the fiance's birthday dinner last night. Hey, it's always been good. And when there's dinner involved with that family, it's never bad. So it's it's been working out good. As far as the Breeders' Cup Juvenile is concerned, I've expressed my uh opinions here. I think Kay Brock's gonna be tough to beat. Do you agree with that notion? Uh yes. I think he's a very likely winner. Um, maybe outside of Flatline, the most likely winner on Breeders' Cup weekend. Now, for those who are going to play exactas and tries, there's probably some other horses we need to talk about. We'll start with the champagne winner, Blazing Sevens, the, the the son of good magic. What did you think about Blazing Sevens so far in his three career races? Do you think he's a, a horse that, you know, I mean, obviously we've expressed how you feel about Cave Rock, but do you feel like he's a horse that could uh, pick up some pieces in this race? Yeah, you know, he's by... He's by Good Magic, who Chad won the the GV with, you know, just a few years ago, and lightly raced, and he's still got plenty of room for improvement. Um, I feel like he may have been uh, one of those horses where last time was the time to have him, you know, eight and a half to one, kind of slipped up on everyone in that in that grade one, and but I mean he's um you know he's a formidable foe in here. What are your thoughts on on Forte, the winner of the Breeders' Futurity? I mean, he, he's coming in off of back-to-back, you know, back-to-back grade ones. He's coming in here as a multiple grade one winner. Uh, he's won on a sloppy racetrack going shorter. He's won on the racetrack at Keeneland. 
are you a believer in Forte or, or do you think that, that he just kind of got the right setups in his last couple of races? Yeah, he's definitely gotten good setups. Um, he, you know, he was the benefit of a good pace last time. Um, he almost put Loggins, who ran too good to lose in the Breeders' Futurity, almost put him into the into the fence. I think he did put him into the fence. I was um, very surprised to see him uh, survive that inquiry that day. You know, and it just feels like another one that, you know, last time was his time, and he's just, you know, he's he's not – he's just facing much tougher – uh, you know, in this race with, with Cade Rock. Uh, but he's, you know, he's very likely to hit the board, I would think, you know, if if he's, you know, ridden, you know, ridden that way. And, I mean, he's got a, you know, he's got a great one win over the track at the, at the distance. So, you know, he's kind of hard. He feels hard to get out of the money. Right. And then what about, you know, obviously Loggins isn't going to make the Breeders' Cup juvenile, but there is another Brad Cox runner in here that I, that I think has shown some talent. Uh, verifying what were your thoughts on verifying who ran second in the champagne to blazing sevens yeah i'm looking to fade him it just feels like the type that's going to be maybe in that that chase and quit um you know he's not going to be good enough to keep up with a horse like cave rock and those are the those are the types that i'm i'm going to be looking to fade um this year's juvenile and then for some price horses underneath uh is there anyone that's kind of sparked your uh, interest is trying to get in there underneath to kind of get, you know, if you like cave rock on top at a short price, uh, mm-hmm. you think Forte's going to get in the mix. Who's going to kind of round out that trifecta for you? Yeah. I like the other, I like the other Todd Pletcher in here, lost arc. Uh, I'm not real sure who's going to be, I'm looking at the, you know, the pre entries. I'm not sure who's riding him in here. I don't know if uh, Flavian's going to be riding him back or uh, Castellano might get the mount, but you know, he had some real trouble early on in the Breeders' Futurity. And, you know, folks can go back and watch that. And he, you know, it really put him out of position. And he kind of made a hidden a hidden middle, middle move in the far turn. You know, he did make up some ground in there. And then he kind of just flattened out, you know, real late in the running and to be six. It looked like he was going to run, you know, third or fourth at the top of the stretch and kind of flattened out late. But he's the he's the horse that interests me. I'm hoping, you know, hoping to – that he'll be overlooked, maybe get 25, 30 to one and can pound the exact and try um, with him underneath cave rock. I don't, I can't, you know, see a situation where he could beat cave rock, but you know, he could, uh, he could create some value. You know, we, you know, it was just a few years ago that, you know, Baffert kind of had a layover in the Breeders' Cup Juvenile West Coast. But if you go back and look that, that try and super paid big balloons. I don't think West Coast was, the prohibited favor that are as big of a favorite as K-Rock, but you know, you get my drift. Yeah. I, uh, you mean, I think you mean uh, the, the other one, game, uh, game winner. Game winner. I'm sorry. Not game West winner. Coast. No, I'm sorry. I was thinking about West Coast. West Co- yeah. Game winner. You're right. Uh, and I think the horse was oddly enough. Was it, it wasn't Nick's go, was it? It was, it was Nick's go at 42 to one. And, um, you know, uh, Calhoun, uh, Mr. Uh, money bags or something like that, you know, one of those, one of those, yeah, ones, yeah. Yeah, they, you know, it was, it was, um, you know, really good payoffs underneath. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think any of these situations, you could find a horse like lost arc in the mix, you're going to get paid for it despite, you yeah, know, hopefully, you know, I mean, Todd Pletcher, I mean, I'm sure plenty of people will be using him, but you know, I still think he's going to, 
you know, if you could get him to run second under K Rock, that exact is going to have to be fairly decent. I mean, you got to sometimes take what they give you. I hear you on that. Jack, it was good to catch up with you. I appreciate yes, you taking the time. Good luck to everyone good luck, on uh, Absolutely. Take care. Good luck in the BCBC. All right. Thanks, man. Maybe, maybe you can uh, get the top prize this time. <laughs> I'll try my hardest. Next up on the show, familiar voice, familiar face, you know, from the In The Money Media Network, where she does her talk racing to me show, frequent guest on these airwaves, part of our Breeders' Cup coverage. You'll be seeing some more of her next week. Naomi Tucker, how are things? Good. Thanks, Pete. It feels like forever since I had the chance to, to chat to you. Unfortunately, I'm not stateside, so very sadly going to be missing the action at Keeneland. It's also one of my favorite tracks. I even rode out there really briefly uh, with the good and layup horses. So, yeah, such a shame. But uh, nonetheless, really excited to have a look at the card. We'll bring you in virtually through a few different, <laughs> uh, through a few different ways so we can make sure we get your insights. You had some great, um, bold predictions last year. We're here talking about the juvenile turf today. Any bold predictions for us to, to start off? I feel like a little bit. Yeah. Because, uh, of course, Charlie Appleby has a runner in there and he's done really, really well in this race in the past. He's a reigning winning trainer, of course, with modern games last year, three wins in the, this race, only second behind Aiden O'Brien, he's won more renewals. I believe he's, he's won four also has got runners in here, but, Kind of going to probably go against him a little bit. I do think he's probably going to take a little bit of money, comes out of a, a good race at Newmarket. But my reasoning with this horse is that when you look at the track layout, Keeneland's quite tight, left-handed. This horse's last two races have been going dead straight. He looks a little bit like one of those horses that needs to keep going. We've seen with European horses coming over that these turns, these sharper turns, can kind of blunt that ability to do so. It also looks like perhaps he going to be a guinea's horse and later on even further as a three-year-old he just to me looks like a horse that's going to want to go further as he ages and he's also not going to be pace prominent which i do think is a handy thing uh, to have at keeneland so if we were in the balloon right now you would just say to me i'm <laughs> terrified they're clutching the rail silver not off the board <laughs> yeah go, go go away i look he's clearly a talented horse and charlie appleby knows how to bring a horse over i mean Charlie Appleby has been kind of winning everything and anything stateside whenever he brings a horse over. So it's a little bit at your own peril to say that Silver Knot has got no chance of placing whatsoever. But I, I don't think that he's the most likeliest winner or the horse that I think is interesting from a value perspective. Sure, there's going to be money on the Aiden O'Brien horses as well. And, and there's actually, this is a really strong wide open field. Like it always tends to be, love these kind of races. But I wouldn't go with the obvious connection horse that that's we'll all get right saying. to your short list and that interesting horse that you think might be value who which direction are you looking i have a couple if my computer is not gonna be super slow here um <laughs> starting with number nine oh, well, i was gonna say number nine i gave them numbers they have not drawn yet so no numbers just major dude for a trainer top pletcher um he is not from a turf family i think that's the reason that they only put him on turf in his last outing in the grade two pilgrim but he liked it on the grass uh i thought it was interesting if you look a little bit further Doro, his damn globetrot she ran on the all weather and the turf she won three times she wasn't that good on it but clearly there's something there right uh, of course Doro himself a star juvenile explains a little bit of procrocity there but i just love the race he ran he had speed he showed heart when 
uh, I'm very busy came up at him actually with a lot more momentum. It looks like I'm very busy, which is going to scoot on by. Major dude for a two-year-old looked him in the eye and said, not today, completely rebroke and then put him away and won by a length. So I was very taken with major dude's first outing on the turf and definitely thought, you know what? There's more there. There's more improvement to be found. Of course, top Fletcher, brilliant trainer. Why not? Why not? Then I had another horse that I liked in here. Of course, Chad Brown, hard to not use when you have horses running on the turf. Oxymore in here. He's got the right running style for Keelan. Very, very sharp from the gate. Was sharp from the gate last time out at Monmouth. Uh, was kind of three, four wide into that first bend. Uh, and, to, and on top of an early pace in that first quarter. So did a lot of work throughout the race. Made a winning move. Challenged the lead. Looked like he was going to get it. Ran the harder race than I thought. Webslinger, who's not on the field just yet, ended up did getting beaten. But Webslinger had an easier race. He stayed away from that pace and then kind of got produced at the right time. I think Oxymore actually performed better, but just didn't get the win. So I like him. I like those two runners. And then I also looked at, uh, of course, Silver Knot, like I said, as well, have him in my top four. And then the last one I liked was Najarok, if I say that correctly, for trainer Graham Motion. Yeah. He won the Futurity at uh, Belmont at the Big A, which... Still confuses me every time I see that BAQ, but I know it is. He is going to be lo going longer for the first time in here, but he's from a staying family. Damn siblings all did very well going a mile or longer. So I'm not too worried about it, but I like his running style again, that kind of handy style. He broke well enough. He sat on the rail in the pocket last time out. Had to find a gap and get into the clear, so didn't have that much time to really get rolling, but accelerated under that continuous drive of Manny Franco. Deep down the stretch, I thought that it looked like the added distance was going to help him out. So I thought he was interesting as well. Corrigan backwards. That's the story of that. Really? Name. Maybe, maybe that helps remember. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Najarok, I think is the right way. The right <laughs> way to say it. I'm still going to probably put a cheeky title on the video. Like, you know, Naomi insists Silver Knot will be off the board. I'm disappointed. You you put in the, in the top four after that. Uh, I, I mean, you kind of have to, because of the connections, because of the sharp Charlie Appleby, but just looking at the replays, having looked at the way he ran at Newmarket, I'm just a little bit hesitant because what I've seen in the past in 2020, yes, European horses still do well at Keenlet, but those are the kind of flexible types. And I just think that Silver Knot is a bit more of that stayer type that might not appreciate it. Now, granted, it'll probably win and I'll have to, I don't know, swallow my words or something, but I'm just not seeing it. And I think he's going to be one of the horses that is going to be well-backed because Charlie Appleby won it last year and has such a good record in this race. Naomi, we will be seeing you next week on these airwaves. We'll we'll get you involved in, in a couple of different ways so folks can get your thoughts when we have the final PPs. But really appreciate you coming on for this overview of the juvenile turf. And we'll be talking soon. Thanks. That's going to do it for the show. So much fun working with JK to bring you this great array of handicapping talent. Hopefully you learned a thing or two and are even more pumped about the Breeders' Cup than you were before. But we got a lot more content coming next week. We've got this draft on Monday for Owner's Box. Gabby Gaudet, Jay Privman, Michelle Yu, and Billy Koch going to be doing that. It's all for charity. Going to be so much fun. You can tune in live to that. We're going to have some sort of best bets show. we got the final answer show, our Q&A show, and our pro player roundtable. That's all coming down the pipe. Free written content over at InTheMoneyPodcast.com. And, of course, as you've heard me say 17 times during these shows, all that In The Money Plus content as well. Give that URL one more time if you want to check that out. InTheMoneyPodcast.com slash 
Plus, that's going to do it. This show has been a production of In The Money Media. Our business manager is Drew Coatney. Our chief creative officer is Jonathan Kinchin. I'm Peter Thomas Fornatel. May you win all your Breeders' Cup photos.